Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV series, The Walking Dead. And this is episode number 59 for Monday, November 7th. 2011. Uh, happy November to you, Jason. Happy November to you, Mr. Fairhurst. It is November. It is Movember. I'm growing a mustache in Are the you? support of men's health. You already have a mustache. I have a mustache, yeah. Connected to your beard, but... It's a goatee, it's called. It is a goatee. Why don't you shave off and just go for a mustache? You know I might. You could. If you shaved that right now, you'd have a spectacular mustache. Spectacular? You think my mustache is spectacular? Well, I never really thought about it before just now. Me neither. I need a mirror. I can't even think of what my spectacular mustache looks like right now. <laughs> I haven't got one for you. Um, would your wife support such a thing? Yeah, I think so. In the name of, of uh, prostate cancer awareness, right? Yep. Well, good. Good. I'm, I'm growing one. I, uh, I shaved down and I'm starting fresh or as fresh as I get. Mm-hmm. in the mustache department, so I'm looking forward to having a full-on, um, what do they call them? Face duster? No. Something duster. I don't know. Soup strainer? Sh- yeah, soup strainer. There we go. <laughs> I'm hoping to look like Tom Selleck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good luck to you. <laughs> Thank you. And your mustache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I figure it's it's possible, and you never know. It, yeah, it is possible. All of a sudden, you grow a mustache, and oh my goodness, it's Tom Selleck. Yeah, and I'll get the uh, I'll get the Ferrari from Magnum PI and too. the short shorts. Well, I already have those. Magnum PI had the short shorts. <laughs> I've already got those. I'm good. <laughs> All right, I'm good. good. I just need the car and the mustache. Yeah. Uh, so hey, uh, greetings to anyone out there who is also doing Movember, growing a mustache, and uh, best of luck to you. That's all I have to say about mustaches. There you go. So we've got an awesome show today. We have a bunch of listener feedback. Of course, our recap of Cherokee Rose um, and uh, our our segment on uh, Holy Crap, Did You See That? Mm-hmm. We've got everything good, good going on. So let us first take a look back at last week on The Walking Dead, which of course includes some listener feedback too. So last week was Save the Last One. It was episode number three. <clears throat> The ratings come in as such. 6.09 million people tuned in to the 9 p.m. broadcast. Mm -hmm. That equates to a 3.1 share, if uh, if you know what that means. I don't. It's 3.1% of all the measured households. That's how they figure that out. Okay. There you go. And so that's pretty good. That is pretty good. Three, three, just over three, uh, one and, nope, just over 3% of all the people they were watching were watching it. That's good. That's good. Um, which, so overall, this is a slight drop from last week, although still more than double the nearest cable competitor. <laughs> <laughs> still good. Yes. So The Walking Dead is uh, soldiering along with uh, some fine ratings. In fact, the 10 p.m. rebroadcast still got 2.2 million viewers, wow. which is more than the nearest cable competitor. That's great. So no problems with the ratings right there. No, I guess not. <clears throat> Now, talk, uh, AMC's Talking Dead, I just want to mention their ratings briefly. Uh, they were moved to midnight uh, yesterday right? Uh, because Hell on Wheels premiered right mm-hmm. after The Walking Dead. Um, but the week before, they had just under 1 million viewers and a 0.5 rating. So I don't know if that's good or bad for the, that type of show. That sounds okay. It does sound okay. A million for a, people watching it? That's not too shabby. Yeah, for a live show that's about another show... Um, and that's on a, that uh, is on at 11 p.m. At least it right. was that week. Yeah, um, we'll see how it does it in its new time slot. Yeah, it was moved to midnight. It broadcast. It aired at midnight yesterday, mostly because of Hell on Wheels 
the, after Hell on Wheels, they showed The Walking Dead again, and then they did the live show. So you got to think that it's going to drop significantly airing at midnight instead of 11. Yeah, you would think so. We will see. I mean, even 11 is too late for me. Well, yeah. Midnight's exactly. way out of range. The thing I don't like about this Hell on Wheels is, and I haven't seen it, so I can't say if I like the show or not, but now I have to wait until 11 if I'm going to stay up on Sunday nights to rewatch The Walking Dead and make notes, because I don't do that on the first watch through. Right. And 11 till 12 on a Sunday night, it's pushing it a little, even for me. Right. So we're going to have to see, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of wish AMC had put Hell on Wheels on some other day. Well, what I've been doing is I uh, I watch it live, and I've purchased the uh, the season pass on iTunes. Mm-hmm. So overnight, it downloads, and then I, I usually work from home on Mondays, the last few weeks anyway. So I uh, I take the opportunity to uh, to watch it and make notes during my lunch hour. Well, that's a good plan for yeah. someone who works at home. Yeah. Sadly, I have to go to a damn office every day, and so I can't really do that. Right. If I was, I mean, I guess I could sit there and watch it, but yeah, you know, it might not go over so well. Might not. So. Just say you're doing it for your hobby. Yeah, yeah. I was telling the guys at work about it today and how many, you know, listeners we have and downloads and stuff like that. They were all very impressed. But that, yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, just tell them, you know, I got to do this. You know, I apologize for having to do this at the office. It's my thing. But I'm taking my own personal time to do this. You know, have a sandwich, have a meatball sub while you're, uh, while you're doing this and making notes and try not to get... Uh, Meatball sauce, spaghetti sauce all over you while you're doing it. Wouldn't be the first time. One day at work, I poured <laughs> a whole cup of hot chocolate on my shirt. Well, that doesn't seem very productive. <laughs> no, it was, was not. It, was it very hot? No, it was that pre. Uh, it was that stuff that you have the machine in offices that you just pop in a little little cup of of mixture and it right. puts hot water through and it makes so it's bad hot chocolate and it doesn't come out that hot. Oh, okay. And it had been sitting on my desk for a few minutes, so it cooled down and then I poured it on myself. Was it a good morning cup of hot hot chocolate? Uh, yeah, it was in the morning. So did you go home and change or did you sit there all day with hot chocolate all over your shirt? I took off the, the shirt I was wearing and I had a t-shirt underneath. So yeah. I just wore the t-shirt the rest of the day. Okay. But the hot chocolate that got on my pants just kind of dried there and that was oh, it. So you had crusty pants. I had some chocolate crusty pants. Well, I'm going to call you senior crusty pants from now on. <laughs> senior, eh? Senior crusty pants. Okay. Very good. Uh, that's amazing. We'll think of a name for you <laughs> later. All right. <laughs> Um, okay, let's get into some listener feedback, and we got this call from Ed in upstate New York uh, with a kind of an interesting take on the Gerber knives. Hey guys, it's uh, Ed from upstate New York, actually not that far from Quebec. I was interested in your discussion on uh, the morality of having the knives placed as weapons in the show, and I'm certainly uh, leading towards the fact that what Gerber is planning on is uh, people going out and buying the knives specifically for the zombie apocalypse and have no intention of using them on, on humans, at least uh, alive humans. It's just like the meals ready to eat. People will buy them and probably never need them or eat them or maybe try them and then realize they never want to eat them again. So I'm sure Gerber is planning on some similar things happening with people buying these keeping them in their basement uh, along with their other supplies and provisions and then never really needing them. All right, that's my two cents. So I guess Ed is saying that people are just going to maybe buy them for the novelty factor, which seems a little strange because it's probably an expensive set of knives. Right. Or, you know, just buy them as part of a general survival kit that they keep in their home, hoping to never have to use it like people would stockpile food or something. Well, that that's actually a good idea. And I'd be interested to know how many people are actually uh, stocking up for the zombie apocalypse. You know, if you are stocking up, you, you buy water and food and uh, supplies and a nice shovel and a crowbar so that uh, you can attack zombies if you need to, uh, you know, call us and let us know. If you're stocking up for the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, for sure. A lot of people stocked up for Y2K all those years ago. Yeah. And uh, I guess now they create or they add uh, supplies for various things. Yeah. Zombie apocalypse, maybe. Maybe. I saw a picture of a sign uh, on the internet that uh, on a, for a, a boat uh, showroom that said, uh, zombies can't swim, buy a boat. <laughs> and that was their advertising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buy a boat. You can just drive. You can just sail right around them. Yeah, just leave. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so get a boat. 
stockpile it with food and weapons and stuff like that. Yeah. And you're set. Let, live near the ocean or a large lake like the uh, the Great Lakes, like where we live. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. you know, you're all set. For a while. For a while. But longer than a lot of other people, probably. Well, with the Great Lakes, you know, you can, uh, there's a lot of fish out there. There are a lot. You can of live on there. fish for a long time. I think it's pretty hard to catch fish in Lake Ontario. Really? Why? Well, you got to be a you got a deep sea fish to do that. Well, I mean, you don't have to be in the middle of Lake Ontario. You could be near the shore as long as it's uh, you know deeper deep enough so that if a zombie starts walking towards you, you can go. Oh, I need to paddle away four feet to you know <laughs> so that he can't jump up from the bottom to catch me. Yeah, true. You don't have to be that far from shore. I guess not. Uh, I'm I'm still not convinced there's all that many fish in Lake Ontario, though. It's a been. It's probably Pe- been. There's too many people here. It's been overfished. It's been polluted. Nah, there's you know? people out there fishing all the time. Not catching much, I bet. I don't know. They wouldn't fish if they weren't catching anything. No, fish, well, I don't know if they might. Is fishing Lake Superior? Okay, but that's a lot more remote than Lake Ontario. Yeah, get up to Lake Superior, you're you're, you're good. That's a well, yeah. I, I mean, my family's up from up there, so uh, maybe I'll buy a boat and stockpile everything up there. I like it. Have to worry about getting up there in the zombie apocalypse. It'll be tricky. It'll be. So Travis from Texas wrote in an email about the uh, long timelines that we were talking about. He says, one of the reasons we think these plot threads are so long is because we are overlaying our time frame over the time that has passed in the show. The show is progressing chronologically very slowly. It has only been about three weeks at the most that Rick has even been back. From the latest episode, Cherokee Rose, it has been about a week since the CDC blew up. I have been forcing myself to slow down regarding the show and its story arcs since the show crams so much goodness into each day. And he's absolutely right. I'm not even sure it's been three weeks since Rick broke up. It hasn't been long. We figured um, on a previous episode that all of season one was roughly five days, maybe six. Yep, something like that. If we can assume that after the CDC blew up, maybe they were on the road for a week at most. Long enough to lose a Jeep somehow. Yeah. Well, they kind of, I mean, we saw them in in clips regroup and organize themselves and stuff like that and then get going. Yeah. Um, And it didn't seem, it didn't take long to get to that highway pileup of cars. So I'm thinking a week maximum, maybe only two or three days. Yeah. And now we've been at the... Maybe it was that same afternoon. Exactly. It might not have been even that long. And now we are at the farm, and they said in this episode, I think, that Sophia's been gone for three days. Yeah, this will be the third day. So we're only three days into that. It hasn't been long. Right? So five, three, you know, it's been two weeks, less maybe than two weeks since Rick woke up. So, yeah, things are progressing on the show very 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 slowly and it's something that i think us viewers aren't really used to yep you know you assume that there's more time passing when there actually really isn't especially in this show it's an interesting point yeah nick from fridley minnesota or friedley no not friedley <laughs> fridley <laughs> let's go with fridley minnesota right. he friedley. says no Hey, fellas, greetings from your neighbors from Minnesota. Do you think when Otis shoots the walker in the back of the head at the town, the splatter from zombie gore could have gotten onto Shane somehow and infected him? Could it be a slow infection that has infected his mind, affected his mind the way it did? I hope this provides something for your show. Um, So did, I don't know, Shane have his mouth open and some zombie gore splash in it and now he's all messed up in the mind? Um, No, I don't think so. I think that... uh... They haven't really gone through that, have they? Somebody has been... Uh, well, Ed. Uh, who, they left him by a tree. No, that was Jim. Uh, that was Jim. Okay, they left Jim by the tree. Uh, so, you know, what? it depends on how... They haven't really explored how long it takes for you to die and come back after you've been, uh, you know, infected. The th- what... What Nick's comment here really opens for me is that it feels like they haven't, and I'm starting to feel this more and more, is that they haven't really been all that consistent with some of the rules about this zombie stuff. We're going to be talking about Cherokee Rose later in today's podcast, and, you know, spoiler, one of the scenes involves a well with a zombie in it, and they talk about the water in that well being contaminated because the zombie is down there. Right. Um, If... You know, if you can get infected by drinking contaminated water, why wouldn't you be able? To, why wouldn't you be infected by smearing yourself with guts in season one, for example, 
or um, in season two on the highway, hiding under dead bodies that are right on top of you. I, I think you have a slight misconception about it being contaminated. I don't think they're worried about being infected, but if you go to a water source and there's a dead horse in it, I agree. You don't want to drink that water, regardless of whether or not zombies are real, because it might have cholera or yeah, it's whatever. Yeah, it's a dead thing that is decomposing in your water source. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening here. I don't think that they're necessarily worried about being infected. I think that there's a dead thing in our water source. We got to get it out. Right. No, that that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. I mean, they can't drink water that something dead is standing around in. I wouldn't. No, definitely not. Especially if it's, you know, you know, walking around and groaning and making noises. I don't want to drink anything where dead things are making noises in. <laughs> I guess not. Yeah. You don't want to go anywhere near that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, regardless, I, to me, it feels a little bit like, and it could be, this could be intentional that these characters don't really know what's going on, right? It's only been two weeks or less, and they don't have a concept of what it means to get infected other than getting bitten. Right. But essentially, if you get bitten, you're also, you know, pretty much torn apart if there's any more than one or one yeah. zombie there. I mean, we can draw from the comic book. We know what happens in the comic when, like, they've explored this because they've had, you know, years to do this in uh, monthly issues, whereas in the TV show, they haven't explored that yet, mm -hmm. right? So if we draw from the from the comic book, we know that uh, if you get bitten, that it you get a fever and you die within 24 hours, Right. Uh, and that's the in so if Shane got some of the zombie gore in his mouth and was infected, uh, he'd be dead by now, and he'd be uh, he'd be a walking corpse. Yeah, if if that's what infection means. Yes, right. So we haven't really explored that in the television show, so we don't know what happens. Yes, I think that if he got if he was infected, uh, the fact that he got some in his mouth would have been more prominent. And not just something you may have noticed. Yeah, exactly. I think it would have been significant and they would have highlighted that and uh, made sure that the audience knew that he swallowed a bunch of gore. You, he would have been standing there with his mouth open and a big blob came over his head or yeah, something Yeah, and he'd like swallow that. some and he'd puke and he'd spit it up and he'd be worried about it. And, yeah. Uh, all that kind of stuff. So not infected, at least not due to that yes. scene. I think um, he's infected by his own mind. Oh, yeah. He's, he's definitely losing it in other ways, that's for sure. So we got a few emails here on Shane and Otis's situation, speaking of them. Justin, from uh, He Didn't Say, writes in and says, In your last episode about Save the Last One, you asked a question about what happened to Rick's gun at the school. If I remember correctly, I believe Shane used it to beat Otis in the head in order to make him <laughs> let go of the backpack. I'm not 100% sure if Shane took the gun with him, but he was the last person in possession of it. Um, and this leads to my question. Shane told everyone that Otis sacrificed himself, but if it comes up that he is in possession of Rick's gun, would that raise questions among the group as to the truthfulness of Shane's story? I don't see Otis giving up Rick's gun just before running off to his death as a plausible story. Right. So first of all, I went back and watched it, and there is a scene. You do see him grab the gun and clobber uh, Otis with it. It's you a definitely good see him. Gun. Yeah, you definitely see him take that gun, so he has it. So he brings it back to to the camp and to Rick. Um, and uh, Justin's, he might be right, you know? Yes and no. I mean, uh, we're going to cover this in the, uh, the actual, you know, when we review the show, uh, but they buried something, right? Mm -hmm. when, they, when they had the funeral for Otis. So I assume they went back and got what was left of him. And if they did that, even if the gun were left behind, which it sounds like it wasn't, they would have got it then. Yeah, it's 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 true. I I don't know if they necessarily went back and got something. I mean, you can have a funeral for someone whose body is unrecovered. You know, that's true. I, I suppose it happens in the military. But why all the time. a big pile of rocks then? Well, it's just a monument to him. You think so? Yeah. What else are you going to make a monument out of? Oh. Well, I was you know I was assuming that they went back and got Otis's remains. No, okay, maybe his, you know, maybe part of his head was left. Well, who or knows what was left? Big There'd toe or something. Something bones. There. I don't know. Uh, Keith writes in and he says, "You were discussing why Shane wanted Otis rather than wounded. Sorry, wounded Otis rather than shooting him in the head. The answer is simple: a wounded man screams, and loud sounds attract zombies. That's there true. was no way that Otis and Shane could both make it, but Shane could alone, so long as he was as he was alone. Otis was shot as a distraction. This doesn't mitigate what Shane did, but I." 
can understand his reasoning, I think we're going to see Shane slipping down from the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few to F you. I'll (laughs) I'll shoot you all in the gut if that's what I have to do to survive. And it will be interesting to see Rick's reaction to his friend as this modification to his personality takes place. Very true. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, we've we've talked about Shane. He's totally losing it, and uh, I think he is going to get to a point where I don't care what I got to do. I'm living. Yep, sort of thing. Yeah, as a general rule, dead men don't scream, but that's not necessarily true in this show because you know dead dead men do yell, right? And groan and whatever. The ones who are about to be dead tend to yell a little bit louder, though. Yeah, uh, I yeah, he was thinking uh, a little bit ahead there. Shane was when he shot Otis in the in the leg rather than in the head. Uh, oh, I, I agree know. with you. That, I, don't, uh, I don't know if he was thinking ahead, but he he was thinking something. I think it was his plan. It was, uh, you know, if he yells, he's going to attract more zombies than if he doesn't yell. Yeah, maybe. Well, there was, a, there was some yelling going on. Finally, Clyde in Maryland says, what if Shane killed Otis because he held him responsible for what happened to Carl? I don't think the horde of zombies behind them were a real threat because he took they, uh, he took what seemed like five minutes to shoot Otis, take off his belt, and try to choke him out and then shoot him again. I just can't seem to rationalize his thinking. If it was to slow down the zombies by sacrificing Otis, and he was trying to come up with an alternative reason beside being just batshit crazy. Um, so. Well, he was wounded. He was limping, right? So he knows he, if, if he was at full power and didn't have a hurt ankle, uh, sure, he could outrun. He could just outrun Otis. Just, you know, Otis is not going to be able to run as fast as Shane. You wouldn't think so. So but Otis Shane is, would just take off and that'd be the end of that, right? But, but Otis is carrying a backpack and he needs the, what's in That's that backpack. True. So uh, he, he either needs to, Otis needs to speed up or he needs to be able to, you know, outrun him with both backpacks on. And I guess he figured taking him out. Yep. And of course, the added benefit of the zombies are now distracted. Yep. And, and he can get away easier. I think it was all calculated in Shane's head. Well, a lot of people seem to have, have thoughts on what was, was going on here. So if you've got any more, by all means, send us in your emails or voicemails on the phone line. There's, there's lots to talk about in regards to Shane and his current mental state. That is for sure. Oh, yeah. All right, Jason, it's time to get into this week's recap of the latest episode of The Walking Dead. Cherokee Rose. That's right. It's called Cherokee Rose. And we did some, or at least I did some speculating last week on what the title meant. Yep. And uh, I'd say I was pretty far off. <laughs> Why? What was your speculation? Well, I, specula- me. I speculated that they would find um, uh, Sophia oh. alive and well, and it's because she survived by eating the Cherokee roses that she found. Nope. She ate sardines. Uh, absolutely ridiculous, obviously, but yes, she ate something else. So... Let's start our recap. We open with the group gathering rocks for Otis' funeral, and uh, while they're doing that, the rest of the group from the highway drives up in all their vehicles. Yay. Exciting. Everyone's back in one Very loud motorcycle. Oh, that motorcycle is so stupidly loud. (laughs) (laughs) Stupidly loud. Cut to inside the farm. Carl wakes up and asks if Sophia is okay, and Rick tells him, yeah, she's fine. She's fine. She's fine. Nothing to worry about. Um... Outside, the group gets a quick update on Carl's status, and then we get into the funeral for Otis. Herschel says, Otis, who gave his life to save a child, now more than ever, our most precious asset. Referring to the children, not Otis. (laughs) Otis is our most precious dead asset. Yeah, that's right. Herschel asks Shane to say something, but Shane refuses, but then Patricia pipes up and asks him to say something so she knows that Otis's death had meaning. Um, Shane recounts his story and ends with Otis saved my life and Carl's too if any death ever had meaning meaning it was his and he looks pretty dumb in Otis's clothes yeah he does look pretty bad in those clothes they're not quite as oversized as they might have been but they looked a bit goofy you're absolutely right (laughs) yeah (laughs) but hey what else is he gonna wear yep Um, so we go to credits and we come back they are planning the search for to continue the search for Sophia And a few things come out of this conversation. First of all, Shane talks about gun training, and Herschel tells him that he doesn't want everybody armed on his farm, but they agree to leave Dale armed and on lookout duty. Yep. Because they figure they'll need lookout duty and everyone will feel safer. Maggie also decides that she wants to go to town to get some supplies from a pharmacy, and she agrees to take Glenn with her. Yeah. Because Glenn is our go-to-town specialist. That's right, and it sounds like a really good idea to me. <laughs> Let's all go to town. <laughs> um, Shane and Lori have a side chat, and she tells him that uh, she meant it when she told him to stay. 
Well, that's good. Stay with the group. She wants, she doesn't want him to to, to leave. Well, now Shane's going to stick around instead of bailing on everybody. Yeah, exactly. We don't want him to just take off. That would be very anticlimactic. Yeah. <clears throat> Glenn and Maggie, um, she's asking him about, uh, to. she's asking him to go with her and they kind of make a sex joke here. Another one. Yep. She says, I hear you're fast on your feet. You know how to get in and out. <laughs> and Glenn's all like, what? Uh, uh, what? Glenn's all awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, definitely all awkward. She also, at that point, explains to Dale about the wells that they have on the property. Mm-hmm. Five of them. Five of them. Lots of wells. Uh, we go to Shane and Andrea doing some gun stripping training, and she looks pleased with herself when it comes apart so easily. Yeah. F- field stripping. Field stripping. Sorry. Gun stripping? That doesn't work? Well, it sounds weird. <laughs> okay, sorry. Field stripping. <laughs> yeah. So then Rick offers to Otis, nope, to Herschel, that they can set up over by the barn, Herschel uh, shoots the idea down, and he tells him that he uh, expects Rick and his group will move on when everybody can travel. Yep. Rick kind of, uh, Herschel sort of said, nah, you don't want to go near you that barn. Yeah, you don't want to go near the barn. S- stay right here. Yeah, it's, stay near the house. No problem. You want to be near the house, exactly. Yeah, there's nothing over there but a barn. No, exactly. You don't worry about the barn. <laughs> <Barn's> <laughs> nothing, fine. nothing to worry. Just hay in there. Yeah. Uh, we cut to Glenn checking out Maggie as she approaches on the horses, mm-hmm. and Lori comes up right in front and asks Glenn for one more item that's personal that she wants from the drugstore. Now, what did she write on the piece of paper? She wrote the name of the product, right? which I'll tell you what it is later. Yes, but that just I found that confusing, uh, that she would be specific about the exact product and whether it's a technical name or a brand name. Glenn didn't recognize it, but why wouldn't she simply just write what it was, like the general category? It doesn't matter what kind. This is a zombie apocalypse. Why be picky? Why be picky? Yeah. You know, why? And Glenn would say, well, what is that? Well, don't ask because that would uh, invade the uh, kind of privacy thing we got going on here. So just, uh, you know, get it. You know. It seemed kind of awkward and weird. Yes, it certainly did. But it was done for dramatic effect. That's the only answer I can give you. Well, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It would make a lot more sense if she just said, I'd like a pregnancy test, please. Yes. But she didn't. Uh, she does tell Glenn that he'll find it in the feminine hygiene section. Which is not true. Aren't, aren't they in the family planning uh, section? I don't know. And why would condoms be in the feminine hygiene section? I think stuff was all mixed all over the place, but okay. we'll get to that. All right. Just, it seems a little weird to me. I right. always thought that they would be in the family planning section. Yeah, I don't the know. pharmacy. I haven't really bought either of those me? things for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> but let's move on. All right. At the well... Dale and T-Dog are pumping water. T-Dog tells Dale that the stuff he said at the highway wasn't him, and he doesn't know where that came from. That's great. And Dale is cool about it and says, I couldn't get a word out of you all day. Yeah. So sort of what you thought about that is absolutely true. They agree to just not talk about it anymore. Yes, they realize you were had a fever. You were a bit delirious. You were just talking crap. Yeah. You know, just forget about Let's it. Let's move on. You weren't yourself that day. Yeah. Um, at this point, Dale looks down into the well and sees a disgustingly bloated zombie Ooh. thrashing around. It was nasty. It was pretty nasty. He was gross. Uh, the group comes together and starts to formulate a plan to get the zombie out. And they think that just shooting it in the head would contaminate the water if it's not contaminated already. Which it was because, you know, when you got a close-up of the zombie, there was stuff oozing out. Oh, he it was, was like blood trails. and <sighs> He was oozy and nasty and just... The grossest zombie we've seen on the show. Yeah, he's been down there for a while. <laughs> yeah, but how long could it have been? They've only been for two weeks. But I guess that's long enough to get pretty nasty. Well, the zombie apocalypse has been around for a while. Long, oh, a little bit longer, that's right? true. Right, so he could have been down there for, you know, a month. Nasty. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty gross. Um, so we go to Herschel and Rick planning the search some more, and they look out over a vista, a gorgeous vista of the area. They talk about God, and it's clear to me that Rick... No longer really has much faith. Last time I asked God for a favor and stopped to admire a view, my son got shot. I try not to mix it up with the Almighty anymore. Best we stay out of each other's way. Laurie told me your story, how you were shot, the coma, yet you came out of it somehow. You did not feel God's hand in yours? At that moment... No, I did not. In all the chaos, you found your wife and boy. Then he was shot, and he survived. That tells you nothing. It tells me God's got a strange sense of humor. 
God's got a strange sense of humor. That he does. So Rick has, uh, despite sort of asking God for help in a couple episodes ago, he's pretty much lost all faith right now. Mm -hmm. But back at the well, uh, they lower a ham down (laughs) to lure the zombie. Canned ham. Canned ham, but he doesn't go for it. So instead, they decide to send Glenn down. What better idea? That's a perfect choice. What better idea could they have, really? He goes, and the whole point is he goes down to lower a rope around the zombie so they can hoist it out. Um, but it doesn't really go so well. Uh, no. The uh, the thing, the thing, uh, the pump breaks and he goes down and he has to thrash around and he's almost eaten. And they manage to get him out, which is lucky for Glenn. Well, I knew there was a problem as soon as I saw where the rope was located on the pump. Yeah. Because it was halfway up the pump and I'm like... Yeah, do you know what forces are involved here and what you're asking this pump to do? Yeah. You know, at least move it down where there's a a reasonable chance where it's not going to break. Well, if you have it up at the top, there's just too much leverage. I mean... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it was was a very, not very well planned uh, placing of the rope. Well, they managed to get him out and uh, they think, well, back to the drawing board. But nope, Glenn is a superhero and he managed to get that noose or that rope around that zombie no matter what. I watched that scene... Three times. Couldn't see him do it, could he you? He did not get that noose around that zombie. <laughs> he was being pulled up, and they had moved a significant distance away from the well, and he still had that loose noose with him, uh, and he was a couple of feet above that zombie. There was no way he got that noose around that zombie's head, let alone his arms and shoulders when they were pulling him out. Well, you know, that's why he's a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow he did it, and was a, it was a mystery to all of us. Yes. Still, I don't think a great plan. Send send a guy down there to try and do that. I mean, not smart. Rope breaks, pump breaks, anything could go wrong, and he's toast. He's done. Why didn't they just you know try and drop the noose on his head? Yeah, and the zombie wasn't tight. moving around that much. He no, was he just, just sort of standing there looking at a ham. Spend a day dropping the noose on his head to see if you could lasso him. Yeah. What about, uh, you know, maybe they had a big grappling hook of some kind. You don't have to actually get a noose around him and pull him out. It's not like you're rescuing a toddler from a well. You're hooking the zombie. You know, you can put hooks into his flesh and just yank him out. You don't have to care about that kind of thing. Nope. I have a feeling that wouldn't have worked either. However, you're right. They could have tried something else before sending a guy down there. Yeah. But we cut to Daryl, who's in the woods, and he comes across another farmhouse. Inside, he finds what looks like a little bed with a blanket and pillow in a closet with some food. Yep. It appears that someone has recently been there. That's true. He did. Uh, he searched that whole first floor, and that was it. He didn't go upstairs. There was a basement and an upstairs. He did not search those. <laughs> now, we could maybe assume that he did, but we didn't see him do that, because we cut to the next scene of him coming out of the house, and he's calling Sophia's name. Yes, he is. Like, maybe she's just hiding somewhere in the area or so. Um but uh, he comes out. She doesn't come running, but he does see a Cherokee rose growing nearby. He does. A white rose. Back at the well, they're pulling the zombie out, and he gets stuck sort of half over the lip. Yep. And then rips in half. Yeah, in he a, comes apart. In a really disgustingly nasty way with all the lower half of him falling back in, finishing the job of the water contamination, yeah, I would say. Yeah, that's contaminated for sure now. It was the nastiest thing I've ever seen on TV. It was pretty... Pretty gross. Like, I've seen some gross stuff in movies. Mm -hmm. I have watched The Human Centipede. But nothing in that movie was quite as gross as this, if you ask me. I've not watched The Human Centipede as of yet. I saw it at Toronto After Dark last year with Dave. And uh, it's there's some gross stuff in that movie and some stuff that's hard to watch. But this, I don't know, for for TV, certainly, this was just disgusting. The whole thing with that zombie in the well was pretty nasty. It was, it was. He looked gross to begin with, and then just tearing in half, and like, oh, it was so nasty. Like, I can't, I can barely get over it. My wife said she felt like vomiting at this point. It was so gross. No kidding. Do you think they overdid it? No. No? No, I think they did it just right. I think it was super, super gross, and that was excellent. Yes, Nicotero has outdone himself here. He really has. (laughs) Where can they go from here, though, when you see something like that? I mean, if they need to up the ante on the gross factor... They, that's a pretty high bar to set, somebody's, in my opinion. Somebody's going to swallow some gore. They have to now. <laughs> gore in the mouth. Yeah, you're right. Maybe they have to. Yeah. So that that's going to be like that's going to be really really gross. Well, T Dog finishes the job on this zombie by smashing it in the head a few times, and Maggie looks uh, disgusted and walks away. Well, no kidding. I don't think she. Well, yeah, no kidding. But I don't know if she's seen a lot of zombies being killed. Not a lot. Uh, we don't know. 
Um, now, after visiting the highway to leave some supplies for Sophia, Shane, Andrea, and Carol go into the woods for some target practice. Mm-hmm. Or at least to look for a spot for target practice. That's true. That's true. They find somewhere that uh, they de- deem is suitable, but we don't actually see them shooting stuff. Right. Uh, but when they get there, Shane tells her, Andrea, that is, the difference uh, between target practice and killing an actual person. He says, if you kill somebody, you have to turn off your emotions, basically, and forget it. But he finishes with, uh, I guess I haven't quite got that last part down yet. Well, he's got to practice it. Yeah, that's I mean, right. you can do it once, but, you know, practice makes perfect. <clears throat> And I guess even as a police officer, you don't really kill that many people in the line of duty. No, 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 no. You're not supposed to. That's for sure. But hey, Shane, maybe I don't know. Maybe he was gun-toting crazy man. I don't know. He's getting there now. He's he wasn't get- before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Glenn and Maggie are approaching the pharmacy. They're having an awkward conversation. And Glenn says something about, <laughs> I usually do this alone, you know, solo. And I, for some reason... I'm a loner. Yeah, for some reason I expected him... I, I totally could see him going solo, you know, Han Solo. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but he didn't. <laughs> and uh, so they go into the pharmacy and they're looking for stuff. They seem to find what they need, including Lori's personal item. True which, Blue. Which is called True Blue. Now, this appears to be the um, TV version of Oceanic Airlines for airlines. Oceanic is used on more than one show, I believe, as a generic airline. Right. True Blue is the generic pregnancy test of TV shows. Oh, is it? Yeah, it was used on um, 24. Oh. 24 as well. I looked that up. I went searching for True Blue online, and that's the only other reference I could find to it. Right. So that's what they use. Uh, at this point, Maggie walks up, and of course, Glenn happens to be holding condoms at this moment. From the feminine hygiene section of the pharmacy. That may not make a lot of sense, but they, of course, have another awkward conversation. What you got? Um, um, nothing, just... I said general stuff. Condoms. <sighs> you got a girlfriend I don't know about? I mean, no. No. Then you're a pretty confident guy. No. No, no, no. I I, I wasn't... I would never... Something wrong with me? No. No, I... I... I would... I would never have sex. Uh... I'm... I'm, I'm lost. I'm... I'll have sex with you. And then they do. All right. <clears throat> um, Glenn pulled the uh, the Shia LaBeouf here with no, no, uh, no, 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 no. That's all he could really say. It was it yeah. was hilarious. Um, I don't know. It was so awkward. It was kind of weird, in my opinion. Well, I uh, from personal experience, I know that uh, some women find awkward guys kind of cute. <laughs> Has that worked for you? It has all your in life? the past. Not all my life, but in the past, uh, being an awkward, bumbling fool uh, actually works sometimes. Well, it, it seems to work on Maggie, or she's just lonely, kind of desperate and lonely. Yeah, not that you'd have to be desperate to do it with Glenn. I think she likes Glenn. She's like Glenn from the beginning, and this is just an opportunity. And that she kind of finds his uh, personality uh, very kind of cute. Yes, his personality is good, and I think she finds him useful. At least for this. Yeah. All right. So back at the farm, Rick tells Herschel that he has to reconsider making them leave. Rick says he's asking for his son and says he feels like he fails him every day. After Rick's, after Herschel then recounts what his father was like, he agrees to consider it and let them stay. We see Glenn and Maggie then coming back. Glenn is being all goofy still, of course. Yep. And Lori comes out, and he gives her the item, which is the pregnancy test. As the viewers, we don't know 100% yet what it is. Right. They, uh, you know, we know now, of course, but while we were watching it, we didn't. That's why I'm calling it the item. Uh, And then Daryl takes the rose he picked into the RV for Carol. He relates the legend of the Cherokee rose and tells her that, I believe this one bloomed for your little girl. The funny thing about this is, to me, it kind of sounded like he's saying she's dead. And... You know, here's a flower. No, I think it's uh, holding out hope. It's hope, not uh, well. But the the legend of the Cherokee Rose, he explains, and I don't want to go too much into it. But it's the um, when American soldiers are removing Native people from the land, or were, uh, 
they were moving them and a lot of the children died in the process and all the mothers cried so much that their tears dripped down into the earth and these flowers grew from their tears a lot of children were killed and then he brings her one of these flowers as in you know she died but this flower grew in her place kind of thing now as he's stepping out of the rv he says to her you know, she's going to love it because Carol's cleaned the place up. I don't think he believes that she's dead, though, because he found the little, uh, the bed that she made in the pantry and or that somebody made in the pantry mm-hmm. and the food that somebody was eating. And he believes that she's able to survive and is out there somewhere. No, I, I think so, too. It just, it felt like a strange story to relate. And the yeah. flower's nice and all that, but it, and Carol seems to take it well, but it felt like... A bit of a strange story to relate when your, you know, child has gone missing for this long. Yeah. So, but it was a nice scene. It seemed to make Carol feel better. Hmm. Back inside the farm, Carl wakes up and uh, Rick tells him that he lied about Sophia. Carl jokes um, and then uh, with them about them both being shot and Rick gives him his sheriff's hat. Yep. Something we've sort Finally. of been waiting to ha- waiting for to happen. Yeah. That's nice. It is really nice. Then we see Rick getting undressed for the night, and he's putting away his badge with his um, uniform in a drawer, and he seems to be giving up his cop persona at this point. I think he is. I think he was uh, putting those things away for good. Well, Lori comes in and hugs him and uh, tells Rick to stay with Carl a while longer, but she also asks him, are you putting those away? It was hard to understand that dialogue. It was kind of mumbled, but uh, he doesn't respond. But yeah, you're right. It seemed like he was putting that stuff away. He's... He's no longer a police officer because this world doesn't need cops anymore. It now needs people that can get the job done. (laughs) Or it needs anyone who's willing to step up. And in another way, he's sort of becoming, he's becoming more and more the everyman, Mm -hmm. you know? Anyways, Lori goes outside. She walks out into a field, drops pants, and takes the pregnancy test. Drops trow. Drops trow, sorry. Takes the pregnancy (laughs) test, pees on it. And we get a blue plus sign, meaning... Almost immediately. Yeah, it's not that fast, I know, from personal experience, but it's positive. It is positive. You are with child. She is. The end. So, we have pregnant Lori. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a little surprised. A little bit surprised. A little bit surprised? Why are you surprised? Well, because, to me, I feel like... This pregnant. I've always said all along that Jenner whispered to Rick in the CDC that your wife is pregnant. Right. So why would they not reveal this in that manner, whereby Rick already knows and he reveals it to her? Like she may know too, but more from a woman's intuition or signs of pregnancy type of thing. Right. And Rick reveals it to her. Now, because she's found out herself. We either are going to have a strange dynamic where Lori and Rick both know that she's pregnant, but they don't know that each other knows, right? which I think would be strange, or what Jenner told them is something else. I, well, I think that uh, this is what Jenner told them, and uh, this is the same situation, and we're going to get into a threes company situation now, where the <laughs> audience knows something that the characters do not Right. Uh-huh. We know that they both know, but they're not telling each other, and then we're going to, you know, in threes company, it's hilarious. Right. Whereas in the zombie apocalypse, you'd be like, just talk. The two of you get together and talk about what's going on. Yeah. So it's going to be frustrating because we know they don't. You don't think this is really the right kind of show for this sort of scenario. And I agree with you. Yeah, it's it, it's a very threes company kind of thing. <laughs> there was some kind of misunderstanding. Yes. <laughs> um, you could be right. I'm I'm slightly more inclined to think that maybe I was wrong about what Jenner whispered. And, and uh, maybe it is something like you're all infected, you're all going to die, or you're all going to turn into zombies no matter what, whether you're bitten or not. And, you know, maybe this is sort of a way that the writers and everyone involved in the show is sort of turning things around on the viewers a little bit. Right. You know, lead us to expect one thing and then not go that way at all. Hmm. Or maybe he whispered that uh, Shane's a werewolf. <laughs> I sure hope that's not it. <laughs> can you got you, zombies, I might as well have werewolves. Can you, this isn't true blood, dude. Can you see uh, Robert Kirpin coming out one day going, you know, of all the changes I we made to this this comic in the TV version, I think the best one was werewolves. Yeah. Adding werewolves. Yeah, or a nice lich every now and again. <laughs> if we're going to go with undead, we could have, uh, we could have vampires, we could have uh, walking skeletons. 
You know, there's all kinds of stuff. We could have a lich. I believe we've tried to list all the undead creatures Wisp. we can think of before. And <laughs> yep, why not throw them all in there? What the poltergeist? Hell? <clears throat> it's all good. <laughs> but it doesn't work here. Maybe the whole world was built on a burial ground of some kind. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Hey, and that's it. That's our recap of Cherokee Rose. If you have any thoughts or comments, by all means, send us an email at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com or call the voicemail line 1-866-483-ZOMB. And I realize that I always say Zed. We have a lot of American listeners. And for you, I'd just like to say 483-ZOMB. There you go. So before we move on, I have to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by audible.com. For the listeners of the Talking Dead podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Jason, we didn't plan ahead. Do you have a recommendation this week? I do, and I can't believe we haven't done this in the past. This was the first book I bought on Audible. It is the Zombie Survival Guide, Complete Protection from the Living Dead by Max Brooks. We've never done that one? We've never done that. It's a fine book. It was my, I bought uh, the Zombie Survival Guide and World War Z, uh, both by Max Brooks. It was my first purchases on Audible. Both fine books. Yeah, uh, made by, read by uh, Mark Cashman, and uh, it was actually very good. I found it very entertaining about uh, how to actually survive a zombie apocalypse. And uh, it comes in at 8 hours and 38 minutes. Very cool. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash talkingdead for your free audiobook. Just before we get into our holy crap did you see that segment, I want to run through next week on The Walking Dead. Next week's episode is titled Chupacabra. Chupacabra. <clears throat> which literally, I looked it up, it literally means goat sucker, and it's a legendary cryptid rumored to inhabit parts of the Americas. It is associated more recently with the sightings of an allegedly unknown animal in Puerto Rico, Mexico, and the United States, especially in the latter's Latin American communities. The name comes from the animal's reported habit of attacking and drinking the blood of livestock, especially goats. Oh, vampires. <laughs> you may be onto something here. <laughs> blood, blood drinking, yeah. Yeah. Um, the description from amctv.com for this episode is, Concerned for their safety... The group makes a plan, one that Herschel disagrees with adamantly. He makes it clear the group is fine to stay for now, but not indefinitely. Again, it sounds like the episode that just happened. It really does. And what, what's the plan? Oh, we want to live in the barn. Yeah. No, you can't live in the barn. I'm not going to tell you why. The barn is occupied. <laughs> By cows and other inhabitants. That's right. The chupacabra. So this is this episode will be is directed by Guy Furland and written by David Leslie Johnson, and it's on next Sunday night at nine. Excellent! I look forward to it. Very good. All right. With that out of the way, it's now time for this. Holy crap! Did you see that? All righty. Before we give our picks this week, I'm going to play a voicemail from Dave. Hello, you handsome bastards. It's uh, Dave Collin from My Holy Crap. Did you see that uh, pick of the week? Uh, and I'm going to tell you something that I don't think anybody's really talked about yet. I could be wrong. But in the opening credits, you'll note that uh, it says, based on the graphic novels by, and not based on the comic books by. So I just thought that was an interesting uh, phrasing for Joe Public. Discuss. Bye. <laughs> so that's Dave's choice that in the credits, the opening credits of the show, it says graphic novels and not comics. What do you think, Jason? Is there significance to this or not? I am not a comic book guy, and I don't know exactly what the significant uh, difference is between those two things other than, uh, no, I, I really don't know. I, Dave, interesting choice, first of all, but I don't. I don't think there's any significance to it. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad choice. I wouldn't certainly wouldn't do that. It is interesting. To me, comics are typically one issue of a comic. Uh, and a graphic novel is a collection of issues of a comic. So when you think about it, a TV show is, you know, it, certainly when you look at a season, a whole season, it's like a collection of episodes. So it's kind of a graphic novel-ish. There's a parallel there. Right. 
I don't know. I'm reaching. Well, Wikipedia has the graphic novel definition. is The graphic novel is a narrative work in which the story is conveyed to the reader using sequential art in either an experimental design or a traditional comics format. Doesn't help. No, nope, not really. <laughs> Sorry. Interesting. that whole sentence and it doesn't help at all. <laughs> Interesting choice nonetheless. We also got some choices from listeners via email. Justin wrote in to say, in episode two, when Shane and Otis are at the school, the zombies have no problem keeping up with the two relatively healthy men as they sprint through the yard slash buildings. However, in episode three, when Shane and Otis are suffering from injuries sustained during a fall, the zombies seem to move much slower in their pursuit, so much so that both men have the opportunity to fall down, crawl a little, and get back up before the zombies close up any space. If zombies base their pursuit speed on the speed of their prey, wouldn't it be safer to simply stand in one spot? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It. Uh, what do they call that? Uh, uh, you know when you're in racing games? Uh -huh. If you go slow, the cars will go slower. And if you go super fast, all the cars will go super fast. It's the same kind of thing. I think it's called uh, dynamic... Or adaptive AI or something yeah, like it's that, a, right? Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Where things get harder. Uh, where you can set the difficulty settings. Yeah, adaptive difficulty. Right. Maybe that's how the zombies work. If you're going fast, they go fast. If you're going slow, they're like, ah, we'll catch up. Well, I've written, uh, I've written exams for uh, certifications, like uh, computer certifications that have uh, uh, adaptive questions. If you do really well at the questions, they give you harder questions. Sure. No, that makes sense. That doesn't make sense. That's a pain in the ass. Well, for that it does. I, I don't want know the it... test. I don't want you to adapt to the test and give me a harder test because I know some of the answers early on. Okay, good point. If you studied hard, you should do well, not get That's a right. harder, harder exam. That's right. Okay. Well, um, it's an interesting. It is. Um, you know, it's an interesting point here that Justin has. The zombies do seem to sometimes be a little quicker than others, and. I don't know if it relates directly to the state of our living characters, but, you know, that's the way it is. Maybe zombies are all controlled by a, uh, a lich behind the scenes, and they don't want to quite uh, <laughs> capture and kill all the humans. He wants to toy with them, You're... so he doesn't quite, uh, doesn't quite uh, you know, allow them to catch up with injured humans that You're... he wants to get away. <laughs> You're all about the liches tonight. Oh, the liches are in control of everything undead. <laughs> okay. Well, Michael also wrote in and said, I think everyone missed the point where Dale leaves the top of the RV, leaving Carol and walks off on his own. This was in the last episode. This is a strange shot to include in a show where every shot counts. What's going on? Well, here it is. Dale knows where Sophia is. She is a zombie. Dale found her in his scavenging and doesn't know how to tell everyone. Next episode, Cherokee Rose, what else would you put on the grave of a child? Well, that makes sense. It really does. Now, we know that that didn't happen in Cherokee Rose. Do we? Do we really? I mean, we know that... We do, yeah. We, uh, yes. Well, we <laughs> we know that they didn't put the flower on her grave. Right. We don't know if she's actually alive. And I was wondering about that scene. Do you remember that? From I do. Oh, well, yeah. Yep. He goes off. He kind of walks out to the road and then looks around. We're never explained what he's doing, what he's looking for, or anything. It's just he's sort of, he's, I don't know. He's gone walkabout. It happens. I've done it. But there needs to be a reason for it. No, I've gone walkabout. There's no aim or goal. It's just, you know, I need to go someplace and just walk. There needs to be a reason on a TV show for it, I think. Okay, yeah. I think so. And there didn't seem to be. It's just like Michael says, you know, he seems to just wander off. No reason when, you know, every show, every shot on a show needs to count for something well that, that would be nice in, in the ideal world but i've watched lots of television shows where it's like why did he do that and the only reason i could come up with was it was in the script yeah but that's when you're questioning logic more in my opinion in, in i find anyways where yeah. if a character's on tv show does something that's completely ridiculous you'll question well, why would they do that it makes no sense no one in the real world would do that here i don't see it that way i just see it as uh dale knew what he was doing we don't know what he was doing yet, and it seems a little mysterious. Yeah. I'm not sure. It. I think that maybe it was something that got edited out, and they didn't quite get the editing right, where they <laughs> stripped out all the stuff that was leading up to it. Yeah. You know, it could be, you know, just a continuity error. I, I'd be inclined to just pass it off as, uh, you know, he went for a walk. I don't think they're going to come back to it, no. personally, unless what Michael says is true, and he already does know that Sophia is a zombie, and he doesn't know how to tell everybody. Oh, Dale's an upfront guy, though. He he would tell. He wouldn't let uh, he wouldn't let Carol suffer. Yeah, you're probably right. But maybe he's questioning his whole 
his whole personality uh, because of the way he handled the Andrea situation. That would play out in that. Would, that would play out more, I think, if that were happening. Well, we'd, probably, we'd see that somewhere. You're right. You're probably right. But it's an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting scenario we it have is. there. Finally, Travis from Texas writes: uh, When Laurie pulls Rick's T-shirt off, Rick's gunshot wound has moved from his left side to his right. Now. Uh, this email just came in just before we were sitting down to record here, and I wanted to include it because it was about the most recent episode, so I didn't have a chance to go back and verify this. What I'm thinking, though, is they were looking in a mirror. I think that scene was shot in a mirror. I have that. That's just a hunch, though. Yeah. They were they were definitely in front of the mirror, and we see some shots from mirror perspective. Yeah. So it could have just been the reflection in the mirror, and it's the wound hasn't really moved. Right. This seems like a pretty big thing to screw up from the continuity department to me. It does. So we'll see. You know, he's bound to have his shirt off again at some point, and we'll find out. Okay, let's get to our choices for holy crap, did you see that? Jason, what is your pick this week? You know, uh, right at the beginning where they were uh, planning the uh, the search for for Sophia, uh-huh. and then Shane was saying, okay, what happens if uh, we find her and she's been bit? Mm-hmm. We have to plan for that. And and. Uh, I forget who said it. I think it was Andrea. It said, uh, "Do what you got to do," and and then uh, Maggie says, "What are you What are you going to tell her mom?" Oh, and that's when Andrea says, uh, "You know, we'll tell her the truth, mm-hmm. obviously." And then uh, Maggie and Herschel have a look, like uh, you know, maybe we should you know store her in the barn for when there's a cure. And yep. then Herschel kind of just looks at her and goes, "No, don't say anything yet. <laughs> Not yet. We can't tell these people yet. And don't look at the barn. <laughs> don't look at the barn. <laughs> They're gonna know." Don't Somebody's going to go look in the barn. I mean, it's a farm, and you got nothing to do, and you're wandering around all day. You know, I've been on a farm. What do you do? You go look in the barn. You're at least going to, you know, walk past it and maybe hear something. Yeah, because they don't put barns way off someplace where nobody ever goes. No, right? that's the, true. The barns are there to be used on a farm, right? So, anyway. And, and you know, if there's not animals in there, why not move some people in there if you need to? It's yeah. shelter. Anyway, right? that's a whole other topic. Anyway, the, uh, the holy crap, did you see that? It was the look between uh, Herschel and Maggie. There's something going on, and I know exactly what it is. Well, <laughs> that's a really, really good pick, because I had the same one. Did you? <laughs> yeah. No, uh-huh. that's, that's a fine pick. I really like it. Um, in the interest of changing on the spot, I'll go with... What we've already talked about when the zombie tears in half. That's pretty gross. That was so nasty. <laughs> just just to reiterate. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty uh, pretty nasty. Holy crap. Did you see it when that zombie tore in half? Ugh. See how that works? Oh, and his spine was still attached. Like the, the like it was just the upper part of his chest was still left. And the middle part all and the bottom part all fell down. But yet his whole spine was still, it still there. It just slid right off. Yeah, it was. And, and when, when the gore was expanding around, it almost looked like little maggots were coming out. But yeah. I think it was just the water and gore, the goop flowing out from yeah. his intestines and pretty, so on. It's pretty nasty. Um, there is a video on amctv.com on the Walking Dead site of uh, a, f- a spotlight on that zombie and how they did it and, and uh, all that stuff. And in some ways, it's similar to Bicycle Girl because after he tears in half, he's wearing the blue pants and they they edited out his legs and cool. put everything in there. And they do get into um, doing the makeup on that guy a little bit because it's pretty intense. Yep. <laughs> And then uh, what they needed to do in the dummy to make his kind of midsection explode and turn into nothing but goop. Ick. So I highly recommend you go and check that out if you have a chance. All right, that's going to do it for episode 59 of The Talking Dead. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you want to contact us, by all means, do so at one 483 zomb you can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or Facebook.com slash The Talking Dead. Finally, send emails to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. There's been lots of activity on our Facebook page uh, in the last couple of weeks. Oh, that's awesome. To be fair, I think a lot of people are looking for AMC's Talking Dead, finding that, and then commenting. But you know what? For Hopefully, if you do that, you realize that it's us and you stick around for a while. But mm-hmm. no matter what, there's some activity there. I've been participating a little bit, and I appreciate everyone posting those messages and comments and such. It's very good. You can use all those way to contact us, too, if you want to send in your own choice for Holy Crap, Did You See That? We like to get those from listeners and uh, get them on the show. We want to build up a group of those because then we can say, look back one day and say, 
holy crap, did you see all that? Did you see that? Those? <laughs> did you see all of them? Um, so until next week, when we are back to talk about Chupacabra, for The Talking Dead, my name is Chris. And my name is still Jason. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye.